Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Welcome everyone to another episode of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Toporek. We have a great episode for you today. Since nothing huge has happened since the Eric Bledsoe trade on Tuesday, today we're going to give a early, early, early preview of the 2018 awards race. See who has stood out in each of the major categories so far. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter, at FanRag Sports, and for their NBA content, at FanRag NBA. Joining me today, as always, are my two co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? I'm torn, Brian. I'm having a good day, but... Uh... We also have some some personal news for the podcast. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles excludes in-store clearance yes, that makes me not so happy so should we get yes. to it immediately so i can cry in peace afterwards <laughs> <laughs> that seems fair uh yeah sarah do you want to take it away sure yeah um it's just, i really don't think it's big news like you guys could go on uh without me and i don't think anyone would notice for probably a few months and then be like, hey wasn't there some other voice around here oh but... come on um, yeah, I'll be uh, taking a step back, unfortunately, from the podcast for a little while. Uh, not something that I relish or look forward to, but uh, something that I just need to do to focus on some other things right now. Um, so I'm going to miss you guys. But like I said, I'm still going to bug you as much as possible. So you damn really well better. Anywhere. You still got to yeah. put up with me. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah, want I any other way. Yeah, no, we we will miss you, Sarah, and we wish you the best of luck uh, with everything moving forward. Uh, give everyone, be sure to give Sarah a follow on Twitter at WildHorses65. <laughs> Easily the smartest one of the three of us, as you could tell if you've been a longtime listener of this podcast. Oh, yeah. Great, great Lies. insights, especially X's and O's <laughs> of basketball. So follow her on Twitter at WildHorses65. We're oh, we're God. happy to have a new. Twitter name, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's the worst. 
<laughs> Brian, wild, could you wild horses? Yeah, just this this podcast, like the the intelligence level is just gonna drop next week. Oh my god, I hadn't thought about it. It's gonna be tragic. Yeah. 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 Godspeed hey. to all of you who stick with us. <laughs> I did want to tell y'all I finally am now the last of the three of us to have seen um, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, uh, quick review then. Quick review. I enjoyed it, although I do agree with Mort. I'll have to send y'all the tweets that like I completely agree with, so I won't try to rephrase it, but I think Brendan Foley on Twitter talked about how it's a really good time, but you know probably they could have let a few of the moments play out sincerely a little more than what they did but Mm -hmm. it's hard to really complain when you're enjoying yourself i would agree with that it was a fun movie Mm. um there there is so much good stuff to mine there though like with the relationship with the brothers and i don't want to spoil it but there's there's something else major that happens that they kind of gloss right over that they probably could have dealt with a little more emotionally but that's okay i will let you guys know that regrettably my dad is the guy i went with my dad and my brother my dad is the one in the theater laughing way too loud at Jeff <laughs> Goldblum Asgard joke. <laughs> so I'm like, dad, dad, for real dad. Oh. But it was fun. I enjoyed seeing it with them. There you go. So it's, uh, I guess that's a, a split caucus. We've got like a one right. and a half and a one and a half. So well, <laughs> continuing our movie review theme, next week, Mort will have seen Justice League probably by the time we record, or my wife's going to go see it on Tuesday. So we'll, we'll let you all know how that is. Uh, but in the meantime, go, go see Thor just for the one joke about him with the snake when he was a little kid. I right. thought that, that alone <laughs> made the movie. So go, go see it for that. That was a good one. I'll give him that one. That was a good yeah. one. Yeah, that was a really yeah. My <laughs> wife Alex is still like a week later. She is still laughing about it. Uh, <laughs> I know that, that goes to show you how much fun residents, first year medical residents, have. That's their <laughs> gleaming light of hope. Um, okay, so let's turn to the award races today, since we're you know not a full month into the season, probably like three and a half weeks, I guess. So it's still super early. It's worth prefacing, but. That said, I'd say a lot of the award races have started out differently than we would have imagined. So let's start with MVP, which going into the year looked like it was going to be pretty wide open. There was not a clear-cut consensus favorite. You guys both had Kawhi Leonard, which was a very reasonable pick. Unfortunately, he remains out with a quadriceps injury, hopefully back in the next couple weeks. But even if, you know, it's going to be difficult for him to make up ground potentially unless he just hits the ground running so for now we can't discuss him uh sarah who else has caught your eye in the mvp race do you think there's a clear-cut favorite already or they're just kind of a couple guys who are standing out among you know all the other good performances so far um yeah i mean i definitely don't think there's a clear-cut favorite right now i know Giannis has has gotten a lot of talk already he definitely belongs up there, um, but yeah, obviously the the Bucks are kind of middling at the moment. So, but it's just so early. You know, everybody's kind of uh, there's the pack is really mixed at the moment. Uh, teams are still finding their their legs. So, yeah, I don't think there's going to be a clear cut favorite. Giannis is up there. I think, you know, we talked about in our what to watch that right at the end we said, well, maybe Steph could can work his way back into that talk. I think that's fair right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, let's see, Mark Gasol's probably, or Mike Conley, one of those guys probably belong in there. Obviously, James Harden again is right there. Do we have to? Do we have to put a Celtic? I mean, they're playing yeah. really well right now. It's been we a really a team to. effort, but yeah. but Kyrie's. And I, we talked about it before. We were like, no, I don't see it happening. Although, didn't you, Brian? Did you have him? I did. I, okay, I think I had Brian. him like fifth. Um, or I, I said he was at least a dark horse. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have Giannis, though. So, or, yeah, I don't think I did. So, I struck out there. But, yeah, I mean, Kyrie is admittedly balling. Uh, mm-hmm. Served a heaping slice of humble pie to Lonzo Ball the other night, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, more anyone stand out as a clear favorite to you or like sarah do you think it's kind of just a jumbled race at this point yeah it's there are several names to be mentioned i will say this i think al horford has been better than kyrie irving for boston specifically Mm. he's just been everything to him um unfortunately he's out with a concussion he's been listed Mm -hmm. as questionable i think i i don't remember if they're playing tonight or it's tomorrow but um yeah believe it's tonight and yeah i saw he got, he got upgraded to questionable so we're yeah. recording this on a friday for what it's worth i'm so hoping he doesn't play i am actually oh. hoping yeah because you know it's concussions are tricky yeah i just i would rather see him like take the next game or two off and just come back fully healthy but there's a name that i have to throw out there and it physically hurts me because of the team that he plays for but that's Kristaps porzingis Mm, that's a good one. The yeah. Knicks are six and five, and Kristaps yep. is right now is averaging thirty points, seven and a half boards, two blocks, shooting fifty one percent from the field, thirty eight from three, getting to the line seven times, where he's knocking down eighty three point six percent. I mean, this guy is well, obviously he's a unicorn, but he he's a dream. Like the, what he's doing right now is just incredible, and that age too. He and Giannis are the league's future, and these long ass people who can do a little bit of everything. It's really intriguing, but he's delivered. I mean, you gotta hand it to him. Yeah, that Kristaps is a really good pick. That it's it is unbelievable that that Knicks team is six and five, but you know, still super early, obviously, yeah. and like basically every team is in playoff contention because there are what like eight or nine teams between six and five and four and seven so it's still way early to call them a legit playoff contender but like they're not nearly as bad as i expected them to be i'll say that much i I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league after they traded carmelo just because i thought their defense with enna scanter manning the middle was going to be atrocious but if you have chris to be fair it is right but if you have chris averaging 30 a game it might not matter i guess hmm yeah, they're living so, on their offense right now. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I mean they, <laughs> right. Defensively, they are still they are twenty fifth. So those suspicions were indeed confirmed. But uh, it's just, you're you're spot on. Where Kristaps is playing, you know. I I remember last year, and I've said this before that like I was worried about how Kristaps would fare in that number one role, um, whether he was going to like if I, I was just worried if he struggled you know the new york media had anointed him as the like the future and the savior for so long that god forbid he struggled they would just tear him down immediately but luckily he hasn't struggled so that hasn't been an issue and he's just playing great and the new york media 
continues their big love affair with him. So that's awesome. Um, Sarah, I think you're right. I, both of you, I guess, said, you know, there's no clear-cut favorite. Like, Giannis, obviously, Steph and KD, Harden, LeBron. Like, I know the Cavs suck, but the, the 57-pointer against Washington mm. alone puts him in the convo, and I'm not just saying that because I picked him as my preseason guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know I came for Harden last year a lot. I'm not doing that with LeBron this year because, again, the Cavs suck. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's just tough since, like, there hasn't been... I mean, the Warriors are starting to break away from the pack, as always. I feel like probably if I had to pick one today, it would be the it would be Harden, just because the Rockets are 9-3, and three, even though Chris Paul hasn't played except for what like one game yeah and he missed the end of that game because he had this injury so the fact that you know that they made this huge move to get him they blew up basically their entire reserve unit and yet Harden's still there what he's averaging basically 30 points 10 assists five rebounds a game like same old same old for James Harden so I think I was it last year when he finished number two again and then Daryl Morey got all salty about... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then I said that I wanted James Harden to finish as the runner-up every year. <laughs> I feel like we might be heading down that path again, and I'm very excited for that. But as of now, I feel like you have to tap him number one. Uh, any other thoughts on the MVP race, guys, before we move on to the next award? Well, um... Not so much the MVP itself, but I said before the season that Jimmy Butler would probably probably be an MVP candidate. Oh, so yeah. far, that has not been the case. And no. I've seen Twitter go a little bit anti-Butler lately, and I just wanted uh-huh. to clarify something. Because a lot of people say that he just can't follow, you know, uh, Andrew Wiggins and Cat. Like, there's not enough shots to go around. That's not really it. He's playing sort of a point guard game these days he's not shooting Mm -hmm. a whole lot which is a problem don't get me wrong but he's the guy who's pretty much setting everything up he's playing primarily like as a defender and initiator he's almost Andre Iguodala-esque in Golden State and that's not the right role for him I think he's gonna get better as the year progresses and it, it because honestly Andrew Wiggins shouldn't be taking as many shots as he is so I hope that the shot distribution is gonna change a little bit um, but he's, yeah, he, he hasn't been disappointing, not downright disappointing, but Minnesota is winning. And a lot of that is due to what he's doing. So I don't think mm-hmm. that should be forgotten. He's not an MVP candidate. His slow start is most certainly going to keep him out of that conversation as well. So we can scratch him off, but I just mm-hmm. want to mention he's a lot better than what his stats indicate at this point in time. That's that's fair, because he missed a couple games, and they were just horrendous without him. Yeah. And then he came back in, what, they're 7-4 and four now, including... 7-4, yeah. You know, and then they played the Warriors, which is just, like, at this point, it's a schedule loss. Like, you're... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they hung tough with them for, like, two and a half quarters, and then the Warriors just did Warriors things, and... Which is what you can ask for. Like, right. It's the best yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, stay tough for, like, two and a half quarters. But KD missed that game, didn't he? Still the Warriors. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, Jimmy, that, that's a fair point all around about Jimmy. I, I mean, 
luckily, I guess, the fact that no one has broken away from the pack this early suggests it should be an engaging race all season. And I think we can all agree that last year, you know, it turned out to be one of the best MVP races in recent memory. So we had a feeling this year was going to follow suit, especially because so many superstars have teamed up together and that they figured to siphon votes away from each other, similar to what Curry and Durant did last year. I'm interested to see, you know, Eric Bledsoe is supposed to make his debut against the Spurs tonight uh, in a Bucks uniform. It'll be interesting to see how he fits with the Bucks and mm. particularly what it means for Giannis. Like, if Giannis's stats go down but they start winning, where does he fit into that mix? Because, you know, after probably the first week, week and a half of the season, I'd say Giannis looked like a clear front runner and then the Bucks have kind of fallen into hard times as of late. So if Giannis could maintain this production with Bledsoe in the lineup, he probably vaults right back to the top of the list. But if his stats fall off and they start winning, then you'll start having to balance him with Harden, Durant, Curry, Kristaps, LeBron, like a bunch of guys Andre Drummond too like he's not gonna win MVP but we could we, I guess we could seg right into most improved player he's he's in that mix right Where, who else would you put in most improved poor Singus again <laughs> reasonable but yeah. yeah I mean I can't really say anything because my jinx kind of worked Regarding yeah, free throw shooting. Yeah, I'm sorry, Andre. Don't kill me. I've sat next to you for three days. I know how big you are. Please don't. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's uncanny. So I I better make this statement just to even up the odds. And I think Andre is going to struggle from the free throw line for the rest of the season. There we go. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You're you're like our podcast version of Little B. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a compliment or the biggest diss I ever got. <laughs> I don't know either, honestly. But yeah, I mean, it, it was really uncanny. If you guys missed it, I think an episode or two ago, Mort said he was really impressed with how Drummond was shooting from the free throw line. Drummond proceeded to shoot 0 of 7 from the free throw line on Tuesday, was it? Yeah, Just... second year in a row I've done this. Yeah. 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 So hopefully he and like ESPN had just run a big story that day about like oh look at how Andre Drummond has approved from the free throw line it's here to stay and then he goes oh seven it's like god god damn it but <laughs> either way Zach Lowe shouted him out in his ten things I like and dislike column uh, today as kind of you know I, I want to pull it up because he he mentioned here we go he has taken just twelve shots out of post ups in eleven games which is something that I think even if his free throws aren't falling at the rate, you know, even if he regresses to a 60% free throw shooter instead of 70 plus, that's still an upgrade over what he was doing last year. But the fact he's not posting up, he Lowe says he had 277 last season. Like that, the fact they cut that out basically just... You know, maybe it's not an improvement in terms of his skill set outside of the free throws, but like, kudos to Stan Van Gundy for figuring out a better way to maximize his skill set. So maybe, maybe, maybe Drummond doesn't deserve MIP consideration as much if the free throws regress. Maybe Van Gundy deserves some coach of the year love, which we'll get into later. Uh, Sarah, 
Anyone catching your eye for most improved so far? Well, you know, I, I was one of those who had Gary Harris before the year. I mm. think he could still, you know, get it. He's played well. Um, there again, it's really early if we have to preface everything with that. But, like, Moutier is shooting really well from yeah, three. Yeah, he is. <laughs> He's also finishing really well. So, I mean, if he can keep that up, he deserves to be in the conversation for sure. Um, and then we talked about him before, and uh, it's going to sound like a homer pick, but if Danny Green keeps playing like this, and mm-hmm. he certainly looks com- comfortable and confident right now, he's just he's just all around improved his game. Um, off the dribble, he's he's pulling up, he's finishing at the rim, he's taking on more of a leadership role. I feel like because you know, let's face it, it's it's weird sometimes when you look at the floor right now with the Spurs. My mother has has called me and been like. I don't know who these people are. <laughs> like, I look out there sometimes and like, whoa, who are these people? It's It's been a lot of, not necessarily turnover, although there's been some of that, but then also just with the injuries. So I think Danny's really been important to the team to start the season uh, and his expanded game especially. Uh, just, just stretching defenses and making defenses react to him. So, he, I mean, he definitely belongs in there. Uh, they had a graphic up on the telecast the other night so, like, the last two years, he averaged 1.5 and 1.6 drives per game. Mm. This year, he's at 5.8. Oh, wow. And uh, he's shooting 40%. So, not terrible. Jeez. Up from, you know, 30-something the last two years. So, he's he's definitely, definitely improved his game. He's also yeah. strong. I always wondered why he didn't take it to the rack more. But I guess that was the, the missing handles to the basketball because... Whenever I looked at him, it seems like he has a very sturdy and solid frame that could take and absorb contract, not contract, but contact. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely strong. I think he was working on just from like looking at him, just touch. You Mm. know, like he had that long range touch, but you have to adjust it a little bit when you get it near the basket. He's he's definitely improved it. Yeah, he's he he's a deserving pick. It's really. We've had this talk before too, but like, it most approved often just goes to a player who, not necessarily has actually like added something new to his skill set, mm-hmm. but like just played twenty minutes a game last year and now is playing thirty plus. So right. that was the CJ McCollum pick two years ago, I believe. So like, Aaron Gordon stands out as a guy. You know, he he's only played nine games, but he's shooting almost 58% from three-point range, which I think is a huge surprise. And it's Totally sustainable. Name. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but, I mean, even if, you know, that, that three-point shooting is going to regress, but, like, we've been clamoring for years for him to just play full-time power forward. Now he's playing full-time power forward. He's putting up a career year. Suddenly, like, I mean, he's looking like, a max caliber type player, right? Like the the Magic are, if he continues playing at this rate, the Magic oh, are yeah. going to regret not having signed him to an extension. Whether that was even on the table, like his agent may have said, max him or we're not signing anything because we are convinced that he's going to have this type of a breakout year. But it's it, he deserves a huge shout out, uh, Victor Oladipo. I mean. You know, we we said it before. We panned that trade when it happened over the off season, but he is really balling out in this full time role in Indiana. 
Miles Turner hasn't played that much, but you know he's only played five games, but he's going to be in the mix once he he gets up to speed. I think D'Angelo Russell too. Uh, wait, can I troll you yet about the Nets? Is it too early? <laughs> sure, you you go right ahead. I'm gonna troll you right back on playoff time. Yeah, that's fine. Play, they're... <laughs> we we said that was like the early, they're the easy part of their schedule, and I was like, they could be seven and three after their first ten. They're four and seven right now. They they've lost a lot. Their defense is just absolutely atrocious, and yeah, you know, I, I don't think there's anything they can do to fix that. But that said, D'Angelo has been balling out for them, and uh, I've seen a lot of Laker panic on Twitter saying like, oh. Why did we give up on this guy so early? Like we really better nail nail the offseason plan of getting two max caliber free agents because if we just bailed on D'Angelo and now he's putting up these types of numbers, like uh, that could come back to bite him. But well, at least they have said, Lonzo Ball who's putting up <laughs> huge numbers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know he. Uh, did you guys see the quote from him last night where they were like, don't you wish you could just, uh, or do you wish you could kind of like fade into the background for a bit and just like deal with rookie struggles as is? He's like, nah, I know the reality. Like, this is just how it's going to be, which mm. is true. Like, your dad talked so much shit and now you're paying the price. So, uh, also shout out to his brother for allegedly stealing some glasses in China and now facing house arrest for possibly three weeks. Good, good work by the Ball family in general. <laughs> in, that's in pretty easy days. gotten off though, because in China, yeah. that I know. that could have been a lot worse. So, yeah, I yeah. saw Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports when the story came out Tuesday, I believe it mm. was, or Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, <laughs> he said. The, they could face a three to ten year prison sentence there wow. for shoplifting. So, yeah, it does sound like the Leangelo will be uh, free to come back to the states at some point, <laughs> not three years down the road. But yeah, it's been a been a fun week for the Ball family. Um, anyone else, guys, that stands out in the MIP race to you? Well, no, it. I don't think he deserves to be in the conversation, but I think we should mention him, and that's Brandon Ingram, now that we were oh. on the Lakers subject here. He's yeah. been playing better, using his mm-hmm. length a little bit more, being a little bit more aggressive offensively. He's sort of took taken a lot of the bad shots out of his system. I would like to see him shoot a little bit more threes, but that's just me nitpicking, really. Mm-hmm. Um, for a guy his age and for his experience level, he has a fine stat line and he looks improved which is the most important part I have a feeling he's going to end up having a really strong second half to the season to wrap mm. things up for, for this sophomore year and then come year three like everyone is going to pick him as next year's MIP I like that pick yeah yeah because he started slow and there was because Lakers fans are always so rational there was a lot of panic on Twitter those first week or two yeah. Uh, about like oh god should we have traded him instead of D'Angelo Russell look at what D'Angelo is doing but yeah Ingram's playing he's fine like we've you know we, we've said it in past episodes in recent weeks like he's going to be fine he's still really young 
He's real thin. As he fills out his frame, he will get better. But he's showing the flashes you would want to see from him at this point in his career. Like, there is no need to panic about him. But would but you? I, I like, like. Would you move him if it meant getting Dang off the books? No, I think you move Randall. Yeah, but if that's not enough, like if a team says we're willing to take on Dang, but it has to yeah, be Ingram. I, no, no, di- no dice. Yeah. Nope. Okay. Would you? I mean, that depends on what I'm hearing in my back channels in regards to LeBron and stuff like that. Yeah, like the only way I would do it is if I have LeBron's agent on the phone and I have Paul George's agent on the phone July 1st and they're saying, we are both willing to come right now if you clear the cap space. Then I think you do it, but... Yeah, not this year. Yeah, right, right. I I don't think Julius Randle gets it done. I mean, honestly, if you lurk Randall and and say, you know what, you get you're gonna get Julius Randall if you take on Dang, I don't mm. think teams say yes to that because they know they can get Randall for a lot less, given how little he plays and that he's clearly not in their future yeah. plans. So right, yeah, yeah. Woj, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski did say this week that it is very unlikely that Randall continues his career as a Laker next year. Um, that's I mean he has been playing well in very limited well. minutes it's just he's not getting the burn you would like to see from him but yeah it's we'll, we'll have to talk about the Lakers grand plans at a later date because there's a lot of moving pieces there and it's it's oh I'm sorry they have one <laughs> allegedly yeah um okay I'm trying to think of anyone else I I think I shouted out Vooch. I think he deserves at least a brief mention for becoming like the latest. You know, Brooke Lopez, Marcus All, Al Horford all added a three point shot out of nowhere in recent years. Even Boogie. Now Vooch, like, let's see, he had 23 last year. He already has 20 in 11 games this year. Like, he had 27. Uh, er, no, sorry. He had 20, 30 in total in his first six years. 30 total three-pointers. He has 20 in 11 games this year. Like, he, he is a big reason why the Magic have started out far more competitive than any of us expected. So, shout out to him uh, for adding that to his game. It's it's really it's what every big man needs to do at this point. It's like, Jaleel Okafor would be a much more intriguing prospect if he could hit three-pointers. Alex Len, the same thing. Like, if you're one of those bigs who... You know that we've said seems to thrive better on the second unit because you aren't a great defender at a three-point shot and you're suddenly yeah. a much more interesting prospect oh yeah oh yeah like we were calling nick vucevic somewhat untradeable because he was stuck in that role as primarily an inside scorer slash rebounder that's it because he wasn't a great defender now that he can stretch the court like his value has gone up significantly right and it begs the question of why you paid Bismack Biombo that much money but that is for another day and frankly it's for an old front office so they shouldn't be punished for that right and besides we have a positive signing coming up in about five days your Robert Covington is gonna get paid I was gonna ask is it a homer pick to put him in MIP no I don't think so because he's like I would say this before the season started like he's a you know his field goal percentage has been awful ever 
ever since he joined the league, frankly, it was under 40% uh, each of his past three seasons with the Sixers. But I thought, like, hey, now he's got real point guards in Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. Like, let's see how he fares now that he actually, like, is able to have wide-open threes and have passers who can hit him, you know, in spots that are advantageous for him. I don't have the stat pulled up, and I don't think it was... I do. It was not... Oh, okay. Yeah, hit it. 50% from downtown on seven and a half attempts per game. 48% from the field overall. 16.1 point a game on 11 and a half shots. His true shooting percentage... Who, which last year was 53.4, has gone up to 65.4. There you go. Obviously, yeah, his his three ball is not sustainable, but right, it's in the area. Yeah. I mean, I, he's going to be an above 40% three-point shooter moving forward. Like, the yeah. stroke yeah. is clean. It's just, he you know, when he's playing next to Joel Embiid, who commands double teams... Ben Simmons, when he's driving to the rack, like you, you need to command a lot of attention on him. It what leads to wide open three point shots. The Sixers' ball movement has been good, save for their disaster against Sacramento last night that we will never talk about. Um, Derek Bodner of the Athletic had the stat, so this is again not updated through uh, the Thursday game against the Kings. But prior to that, he was. He had 53 catch-and-shoot possessions, averaging 1.547 points per possession. By far the league's leader in that category. So, you know, I don't know if he's going to get actual consideration, but uh, shout-out to him for just, you know, (laughs) actually knocking down shots this year at an above-average rate. Shout-out to Sam Hinkie. Shout-out. Yeah, can we can we uh, should we move to executive of the year and just give it to Sam Hinkie for everything finally <laughs> finally coming to fruition? Honestly, uh, if if like let's assume that executive of the year actually goes to like Brian Colangelo mm-hmm. or something oh, God, because no, oh the no, team improved, no, no. I would freak <laughs> out and we should do like an emergency podcast. Yeah, just just to basically scream mm-hmm. off the top of our lungs that that's oh, not my warranted. God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's hope that NBA writers know what's good for them, and because if they do that, it's retweet be... Armageddon would just go oh, crazy. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, Sixers Twitter, the hive mind would be activated like never before. I, I guess the next two. Let's go to Rookie of the Year quickly. Do we agree it's Ben Simmons barring injury? Mm-hmm. I mean, More, who else? That, yeah. Jason Tatum, I guess. Marketing. I mean, okay, maybe. so, yeah. Look, the season is pretty young. And mm-hmm. sure, if, if Jason Tatum... Tatum is out right now, right? Probably for a few yeah, games. I think, yeah, an ankle injury. He was injured. Right? All right, well, if... Tatum comes back and he's just a beast. Then I guess it's a constant. Same goes for marketing, really. But I just, I don't see those guys like putting up those absurd numbers and and having that sort of creativity at all. I mean, I'm I'm surprised as hell that marketing is even in the conversation, especially after going through EuroBasket 
and everything. I mm. thought he'd be dead tired, and apparently the Bulls are pretty nervous about that as well. So Benz just seems like the obvious choice at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, it's his to lose. Then we can debate whether it's fair to give the award to right. someone. Yeah, like, I've, and, 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 I mean, last year I said it should be Embiid because he was the best rookie, but... I don't know. I think we need to have that conversation at some point because there are too many guys missing rookie seasons and then coming back mm-hmm. afterwards and just bowling out. <laughs> they all happen to play for the Sixers. Well, that that or Blake Griffin back in right. the day. Right, I was going to say, if if you stop allowing it now, you have to retroactively take it away from Blake Griffin. That's my only complaint. Yeah. Like, I, I agree. It's, it is unfair. And, like, Brett Brown has even said, you know, like... Him having that year off, Ben actually said it yesterday too. Um, he's like, I learned more during my one season in the NBA than I did at LSU. Like being around professionals, like being able to go over tape with Brett Brown. Like Brett would like watch film with him and be like, "What are you seeing here? How like what reads would you make?" Having that experience, especially for a, a you know <laughs> point guard, yeah, avoid the label there. Yeah, but ball handler. There we go. Um, <laughs> you know, they those guys tend to struggle, as we discussed a few episodes ago. Like Lonzo struggling, uh, Tilakina isn't really playing a full time ball handler role. But when he does, it hasn't always been smooth. Dennis Smith Jr. hit or miss. De'Aaron Fox has been playing well, but he's been coming off the bench when he started. It hasn't been going great. So having Ben Simmons have that year off definitely gave him an advantage just both like mentally and physically he was able to get used to the rigors of an NBA season without actually having to step onto the court so I think that's that is a fair complaint Mort um Sarah do you think like you know I'm coming off watching De'Aaron Fox hit a game winner against the Sixers last night do you think he could sneak into this race potentially um He's definitely a good young player, and he's going to get the opportunity uh, out there. seems like they're going with him more often. But, you know, I, I, I guess rookies aren't often hurt by team record. Obviously, the Kings are, are not going to be good at all. Um, he could get in. I mean, there's a lot of – we talked about this. There's a lot of good rookies. I just think Ben is, you know, obviously it's young. But if he at all continues on this pace – He's just so much separated himself from the fact that, yeah, it's, it's his to lose at this point. Yeah. He just so impacts the game in so many ways that I don't think anyone else can can, can come close to that. Yeah. I, I, and the Sixers, you know, as you said, team record doesn't often factor in, but that might have been part of why Brogdon beat Embiid and Sarge mm-hmm. last year because, you know, that that was a factor last year. I remember people saying, like, you know, he plays for a winning team. The Sixers, like, Darius Harris is putting up big numbers for a team that's going nowhere. So, the Sixers this year, again, barring last night's meltdown, are playing well enough that hopefully that shouldn't be a mark against Simmons. Um, and as you said, not only offensively, I mean, you know, he's got, yes, the triple doubles, and, like, he's already etching his name next to Oscar Robertson in the NBA history books. <laughs> but, like... Defensively, he's been a lot better than I expected. And I remember that was a big knock on him coming out of LSU. Was like, yeah, he has the tools, but he just doesn't really seem to give a damn. Like now he cares. Like now he's actually playing, 
he's exerting effort on defense. So I think, you know, hopefully that the two way impact um, would separate him from the pack further. But you know, right. I, I I say this knowing it's what eleven games into the season, and you know, I'm just immediately having Embiid flashbacks. So once he gets past like the forty game marker, then I'll start feeling confident. But until then, I'm still saying, you know, I'm not anointing him as the rookie of the year yet. I'm saying he is a clear front runner, but it's early. Injuries tend to happen, especially in Philadelphia. <laughs> so let's just stave those off, and then we can talk about awards later in the year for Simmons and company. Let's change the subject a little bit. And this is a question for both of you guys. Like, after the first, and this is a small sample size as well. Laurie Markin in nine games in, averaging 15.8 points, 8.2 rebounds, draining almost th- three triples a game. Is this sustainable? Or, conversely, do you think that his ceiling is more increased now than you thought going into the draft? Hmm. Sarah, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I definitely think the sky's the limit. Or... <laughs> What's what's the uh, Jordan one? I don't remember. Uh, oh, the ceiling is the roof. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh. I'm not putting any cap on that kid. He's gonna be really, really good. Hopefully for a very long time. So I look forward to watching him play. But yeah, like you guys said, I didn't expect him to be this good this fast. So if you're saying, does that mean he has less room for growth? Uh, I don't think I would say that because. Like you guys just talked about with um, Ben, just kind of, I mean, he's played professional ball before marketing, but being in the NBA, I think that that only lifts the ceiling higher. So, no, I, I think he can, can be even better than we thought. Yeah, that, that, was, that was the way I wanted to phrase it, like, because yeah. of his production now. Like, mm-hmm. do you yeah. think that he, that his his ceiling is the roof had had increased? <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I, I I before the draft I pecked him as sort of one dimensional, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing now that, you know, he definitely has a lot of things that indicates that that's not going to be the case. Or maybe one one dimensional is too harsh a word. I didn't think he would just be a shooter, but I didn't think he'd be this good on the off the dribble this soon. Mm-hmm. For example, especially not at the NBA level at that age, I thought he would honestly struggle his first couple of years. But Brian, where do you stand on this? No, I think that's spot on. I mean, I wouldn't going into the year. I don't think any of us mentioned him in the rookie of the year conversation, oh, no. and the fact that he's in there now, he's a legitimate factor. Like I, I think Simmons, him, and Tatum are the clear top three. Um, I mean, it's it's really incredible what he's been able to do on a team. You know, they're like, especially for a big man on a team whose point guard play leaves a lot to be Ugh. desired, even yeah. though you have five point guards of the future on one roster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's hard. Like, it's, it's not like a point guard who's got the ball in his hands. Like, you need someone to get him the ball more often than not. So the fact he's been able to thrive despite their middling point guard play is really impressive. And so, yeah, like, it sounds... As we've talked about before, and I'm sure we'll discuss once Nico's getting a little closer to his return, it sounds like one of Portis or Nico basically has to go. Um, you know, that was kind of my concern with Markinen going into the year when thinking about the rookie of the year race was just 
the Bulls front court looked pretty cluttered with, you know, Lopez and Felicio at the five. So it was like Portis, Markkinen, and Miritich at the four all competing for minutes. I just didn't know if there was going to be enough of an opportunity there for him. Yeah. Then fate and a well-timed punch intervened. And now there, you know, there's no putting that genie back in the bottle. Like Markkinen's going to keep that gig the whole year. Portis did play well off the bench in his debut. So maybe that continues. Maybe that cuts into Markkinen's minutes a little bit. But That was awkward, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it sure was. It did, now I saw a report that like the Bulls' locker room stands by Portis, and they're saying Nico's the one who needs to go. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Whatever happened there, I, we can't speculate because there are different stories. There are so many right. different stories to what mm-hmm. happened. But even even so, like... Coming back from an eight-game suspension for punching someone and fracturing his face, and then going on to score 21 points, grab 13 rebounds, and dish out four assists in just a half of basketball, it's, it has to be like the most awkward success story ever. Right. Like, if right. this makes Bobby Portis like a future all-star, it has to be the most awkward, you know, star development of all time. Like, yeah. punch somebody and you'll become an all-star. Everybody will do right. it. Right. That's how you clear out time for yourself in the rotation. Just break your teammate's face. Yeah. <laughs> if the NBA was fearful of imitators of Sam Hankey and tanking, just wait till oh, yeah. Portis turns into an MVP candidate. Players oh, are going to be punching one. each other all the time. I'm, I'm just counting down the clock for Jadlil Ogilvy's to realize the center debate. <laughs> oh, God, no. No, changing the subject immediately. <laughs> uh, well, hi, Rashawn Holmes. No. I mean, God, I would sacrifice him before Embiid. Just keep Embiid alive. Um, All right, let's move to Defensive Player of the Year. All three of us going into the year had Rudy Gobert as their favorite. Has he he not done anything that makes you think it's more open, Sarah, or do you still have him as the front runner so far? Uh, You know, I haven't gotten to see too many jazz games, but I'm assuming he's he's right where he used to be. I think it's still pretty open though like most races right now um but i'd still have him as my front runner the celtics just as a team have, mm-hmm. have been tremendous defensively i don't know that any of us saw that coming um i was gonna make a joke but i decided not to <laughs> say well clearly from perusing nba twitter uh kyrie irving yes. should be on the list now <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean Draymond obviously is right there again. It's it's, it's always going to be like that. Unfortunately, we haven't gotten to see Kawhi play yet, but I would have him there. Danny Green always deserves uh, more credit than he gets, mm. but yeah, I, you know I kind of doubt he'll get Defensive Player of the Year votes. So I was just happy to see him finally get on an All Defensive Team last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm sure I'm missing someone. There's someone on the tip of my tongue that I can't think of. Rudy Gobert's teammate, Ricky Rubio, maybe? Rubio. Rubio's been playing damn well defensively. He's also been kind of surprising offensively. Not that he's yeah. effective mm-hmm. in right. that sense, but yeah. <laughs> right. Um, in regards to Rudy Gobert, I was, I was actually expecting higher numbers, but watching them mm-hmm. play, I mean, then I can just say numbers are overrated in that sense because he does whatever mm-hmm. is asked of him. Um, you know, rotates, blocking shots, rebounds, boxes out. I mean, he seems to 
be will- more willing. He's always been willing to sacrifice rebounds. You know, if if there was an opportunity for him to box out and someone else to, to just swoop in and get it, but it seems mm-hmm. that has become even more of a factor this year. Like he's averaging ten point four boards, and when I watch him play, like he's he doesn't really go that aggressively up for it as he used to. He's like he's more calculate. You know, he calculates his opportunities a little bit better and boxes out and makes sure everything's is done properly. He's just been a little bit more refined and disciplined defensively, which I really love. So he's probably my top choice at this point, but I will say this: Draymond, as well as Sarah, as you mentioned, you know he doesn't really need to even play offense at this point. He just yeah. does. He he dribbles the ball up the court. He passes it to Curry or KD, and they make a shot, and then he runs back of the court while he's barking. So that's about. Do you guys it. think think Durant will get votes, or do you think uh, yes, you know people will recognize? Yeah, probably like Draymond is being the QB of the defense, but a lot of it gets filtered to to Durant as well, and he sends a lot of it back. Mm. Yeah, he's been playing incredibly well defensively, and we saw that start really. I mean, you know, he's always been an above average defender, but he turned into like a superstar defender in the finals last year, yeah. and it seems like that's kind of carried over. To the start of this season. Two and a half blocks. Yeah. Like, he was hot in the first couple of games of the season, you know, getting block shots. And then we thought, oh, okay, well, he just had a good start. Well, damn, now we're 11 games in, it's carried over. Right. Like, so, what, he's, is he's, he's second to Gobert in blocks. Yeah. League-wide. Like, he's ahead of Kristaps, Brow, Boogie. Right. And it's not because shot blocks or steals necessarily are like a a factor in in determining how great you are a defend as a defender, but <laughs> right. for him specifically, like he is guarding the rim, he is rotating and swatting away shots, he is just doing everything in his power, using his length for defensive purposes, and that's because the offense is just it's comes so easy for him now. He has. Mm-hmm. Clay and Steph, so he doesn't really need to assert himself the way that he had to in OKC and stuff like that. He's just, he seems more at peace with his all-around game than ever before. I mean, yeah. Durant for MVP, possibly? Yeah, I, he's going to be right in that mix. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm with you guys. I'd still have Gobert as my front runner. Paul George, I think, deserves some recognition. Leading the league in steals, OKC is second in defensive rating. I know... Mm. They've struggled offensively in particular. Um, it just seems like they're still trying to figure out, you know, they got, they got three guys used to being the number one option. It takes time to find a pecking order. They have not found it yet. But defensively, they are playing very well already. Uh, Memphis is third, so you got to figure Marcus Gasol probably gets a little bit of love. Maybe Mike Conley. Um, but yeah, it's got to be... At least for now, it's Gobert. He's still leading the league in blocks. Utah's fifth in defensive rating. I mean, their offense is abysmal. So for them to even be around 500 now is a testament to really their defense, and they're going to have to keep it up all year. So, you know, Gobert, like you, Mort, I, I expected him to get off to a little bit hotter, hotter of a start. I figured he would take on more of an offensive role with yep. uh Gordon Hayward gone, and that hasn't yet come to fruition, but it seems like the Jazz are really just, I mean, they're trying to find anything that works at this point. And I can tell you, having watched that whole game Tuesday, your boy Donovan Mitchell jacking up a bunch of threes. 
Yeah, is, uh, that was a bad one. That was not a good one. But you yeah, gotta Gobert. admit though, before that three for twenty one game, he was yeah. starting to turn around. He was looking good. Yeah, he, he was, was looking, looking real good. good. And I will shout out Dan Clayton on Twitter because he actually went through and uh, like parsed through every shot to see if it was like in the offense or if it was really just like a really horrendously bad shot. And actually, most of them, upon his video review. It was like 16 of those 21 were actually in the offense, decent shots. Like, he wasn't just chucking for the sake of chucking. He was not just doing Kobe Bryant. So, uh, yeah. He, he never, stri- strike, stri- uh, you know, strike me as one of those guys either out of Louisville. No. So, he no, always no. seemed to come play within himself. Just going back to your Memphis point, even if they won't have a defensive player of the year, they will have a six-man of the year. Tyreek? Dude! Yeah. I mean, yeah. where did that come from? It's, I mean, he's always had this type of potential. It's just, can he stay healthy? But we said that about Eric Gordon last year, and Eric Gordon stayed healthy. So Right, but he didn't have a jump shot. Now he's hitting 43% on 4.6, oh yeah, yeah, 4.6 attempts a game. Like, that just, that's weird. Like, yeah. it's <laughs> right. what, like ninth year or something like that? Just coming out of nowhere. Like, kudos for him. Like, even his free throw shooting, like his highest before that was like 79. Now he's like 85. Like, it's, someone put him into like a, you know, NBA 2K simulator and just upped his stats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for real. Yeah, I mean, he's, I, so would you have him as your front runner, Mort? I probably would, especially if Memphis, uh, you know, sits at a respectable position by the end of the year, mm-hmm. and if he's a big part of it. They still have the best bench in the league in terms of plus-minus right now. There you then go. Hell yeah. Then hell yeah. Shout out to you, Sarah, for recognizing that <laughs> early on in the season. You called that a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago, and it's, I mean, it really has fueled them, like, mm-hmm. to a very surprising degree and yes Tyreek is a big part of it but also like Chandler Parsons is he has knees again Mario Chalmers is playing well so Evans Evans deserves some six man of the year love for sure Morty. that's a good call Dylan Brooks um, yeah Dylan Brooks that's true James Ennis is playing well like they've got a bunch of guys who you hadn't heard of prior to this season that are actually playing pretty well James Ennis uh, is starting though we should just know yeah yeah. Right, right, right. And Brooks has started occasionally, too. Right, three games out of 11. Yeah. 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 Um, Sarah, anyone stand out to you as a six-man? Well, that was uh, one of mine, for sure. Um, this is actually my favorite race so far. I think there are a lot of guys uh, who are in the running. Uh, I think Eric Gordon is right there again. Of course, he's starting right now. Um, I assume that once... Chris Paul is healthy. He he will end up coming off the bench enough to qualify. Yeah. So I think sure. he'll be right there. Um, will Barton has mm. played really well for Denver mm-hmm. on both ends of the floor. Uh, Tyreek was was probably my top one right now. Although I think Eric Gordon again is going to get a lot of love from voters. Um, you guys mentioned Parsons. I don't think you know that he'll really get that many six man votes, but he's shooting forty eight percent from three right now uh, on thirty one attempts. So. He definitely deserves uh, some some credit. Obviously, it's never, you know, you're talking about top bench, it's never just one guy. But uh, Tyreek is certainly leading 
the charge there because they're third highest scorer on the team. So, so that's huge. Uh, Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay is, mm, yeah. is finding his groove off the bench for the Spurs. Um, I think he's what? Let's see. He had 20 points in two of the last three games. Really starting to feel comfortable. Jonathan Simmons uh, off the bench for the Magic. It's really really good. Uh, he's averaging 14.7 points, shooting 52% from the field and 40% from three. So he's he's up there. The I think Boston has the fourth best bench right now in, in terms of plus minus. So you can pick any number of guys off of that bench. But, yeah, it, this is my favorite race definitely so far. Uh, I think it's just going to get better and better. Yeah, you guys are sleeping on Malcolm Brogdon, who just has the uncanny ability yeah. to oh, steal awards that he doesn't necessarily deserve. It's wild how that happens, <laughs> but now that Bledsoe's in town, you got to figure either him or Snell are moving to the bench, and more you and I thought, we both thought Brogdon's going to be that guy. So, like Sarah, like Eric Gordon, Brogdon is now starting, but once he shifts to the bench, yeah. he'll, he'll have yeah. enough appearances yeah, to qualify. Yeah, think about that, yeah, yeah. projecting that. And, and I'm just uh, saying, Bobby Portis is averaging 21 and 13 to 4 <laughs> off the bench. So, Yeah, but he's going to punch Mark in the face to get a starting spot. So, All right, yeah, the starting spot, that's that's the goal. That's right. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, Jeremy Lamb is the other guy who I think, you know, he's starting now, but once Batum comes back, if he continues playing as well as he has so far, then he's Batum be is, right in that mix. Yeah, then Batum is going to come off the bench. Yeah, it's possible. Well, Batum, I think, is... It sounds like he may be back as early as Wednesday, so we'll get an answer to that question soon. Oh, uh, wait a but... second. Dwayne Bacon was starting now. Never mind. Oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah. So, by the way, I love that name. Dwayne, Dwayne Bacon. Bacon. That's yeah. awesome. That's just yeah. that's perfect. But, Sarah, I agree with you. This is probably... I mean, all of these races so far, with the exception of Rookie of the Year, are really wide open. But, like, this one, you can just... There is no shortage of deserving candidates so far, which, frankly, it's a testament to the amount of talent and depth in the NBA. They're like, look at how well, well all these guys playing, and they aren't even starting. Shout out to the new golden age of the NBA. I think, um, was it was it 18 of the 40, you know, the, of the top 40 scores in the league right now, 18 were under the age of 25, or 25 or under. Really? Yeah, oh, I read. I, I saw I, it could have been Matt Moore on Twitter or something. I'm not sure, but I, I read that earlier today. It's like that's absurd. The future is good, you guys. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The NBA is set up for a long time. All right, let's move to Coach of the Year. This one's. I'm interested to get your thoughts here. So, Sarah, who would you pick? If you had to right now. You know, my preseason pick was Brad Stevens. I'm yeah. actually feeling pretty good about it at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's incredible the way he's just kind of, you know, obviously a lot of teams have to deal with injury, but right out of the gate you lose probably your best player, top two for sure. And he's just kind of worked with what he has. And that's, to me, that should always be a mark of the best coaches in the league, right? Um Pop over the years has has morphed his his style of play to fit the personnel that he has. Uh, Stevens is doing that now, and he's turned out a number one defense. So 
I think that's great. The two-man game that's developing between uh, Horford and Kyrie, fantastic. Aaron Baines, they have going off. So it's just, you know, not asking people to get outside of who they are and and figuring out how to make them as successful as possible in their role. Uh, And he's done that. So he'd be at the top for me. I think Stan Van Gundy probably deserves some love right now. Um, I mean, Popovich is always there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, D'Antoni's probably there again, especially with the start that that the Rockets are having. That would probably be my, my top group. Yeah, I I'm I'm with you on all those people. Uh, yeah, I was, I'm, I this one for me, like I don't see how you don't give it to Stevens right away for the reason you said. Like I'm sure they spent all of training camp and preseason, you know, figuring Gordon Hayward was going to be a big part of their rotation, and then that happens opening night. They lose their yeah. first two. You know, the season could have spiraled very quickly for them. Instead. He gets, you know, he's got a rookie and a second-year player playing huge minutes and playing a huge role, and they've won 10 straight. Like, it's incredible. It's really, you know, NBA Twitter especially just tends to fetishize that guy and just, you know, anoint him as, like, greater than sliced bread. Um, but, you know, this year <laughs> this year he deserves it. It's, it's a real testament to his ability to keep that team together, and, you know, it's... And, Unbelievable job he's doing in Boston. Mort, do you would you agree with uh, Stevens atop your ballot, or would you have someone else? I mean, to me, it should be Pop until he retires, just out of respect. Right. Yep. But I will say this: if if by some chance it's not, or by some risk, I should say it's not Pop, I'll be completely okay with it being Stevens. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because he definitely has earned it this year, I I I just I can't the coach of the year thing. I I just I'm so <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much because so much narrative goes into it every year. Whereas sometimes you see players win certain awards because not because of a narrative, but because you know they're the best at something. Like Jamal Crawford winning six man of the year like three times, where. I would argue two of those years, he was not deserving of it. But oh my god, points! Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to me, you just gotta give the award to the guy who has done like a lifetime of being the best coach of all time. But <laughs> but Stevens, man, I mean, if he continues down this path, he is going to be one of the greats. And I know that NBA Twitter has been on his his coattails, writing his coattails for as soon as he got hired, and that's fine. But for a long while, it wasn't like... He didn't wow me, but now, and over the last couple of years, he really has. He's extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's it's fair to call him the front runner right now, but like, again, like pretty much every award race, it's early. A lot can change. I, I think Pop really does deserve credit for Spurs are 7-4 and four without Kawhi. Like, we say it every year that he could roll out a D-League team and still win 50 games. And, you know, not not that what the Spurs have right now is a D-League team by any means. Like, LaMarcus is playing out of his mind. Rudy Gay, as Sarah mentioned earlier. Danny mm. Green, too. Like, they, they have a lot of talent still. But, you know, to be without your unquestioned best player and to be 7-4 and four in a Western Conference that, like, took steroids over the summer is incredible. Um D'Antoni for the same reason with playing without Chris Paul 
being nine and three is really impressive. I, Fizdale in yeah. Memphis, like right. we all didn't pick Memphis to make the playoffs, and so they're seven and four. Like they're just doing the same old Memphis thing. And then Frank Vogel too in Orlando. Like who had who among us had the Magic as anything but an afterthought this year? Oh, you so, always love the Magic, Brian. <laughs> that's true. I always say nothing but nice things about the Magic. That's, that's right. a good point. Uh, but yeah, he he deserves some love again just for playing players at their correct positions. But also, you know, getting more out of Vooch, Evan Fournier. Shit, we should have mentioned him for MIP as well. Um, yeah, it's a tremendous job so far in Orlando. And then Sarah, I like the Stan Van Gundy pick as well, if only for not posting <laughs> up Andre Drummond three times a game. That's you already deserve like a third place vote in my mind, Stan. So good job there. Evan Fournier might join Aaron Gordon on the All-Star team this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Magic might be more well-represented than we expected. It's the, I, I, I called I, I say, called Gordon, at least. I called Gordon yeah, before the season. I'm just proud of the Eastern Conference for not being as embarrassing as everyone thought it was going to be heading into the year. Like, it's early. I know, <laughs> but like they're at least... Like, Respectable. There are only... Two truly horrendous teams, I would say. Chicago and Atlanta. Like, the other teams that we thought were going to be really bad, Indiana, Orlando, Brooklyn, the Knicks, like, they're at least playing at a, you know, they can win on any given Mm -hmm. night. So I just, you said we. You said we when it comes to, (laughs) you mentioned Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I'm just, for the record, Brian. Yes. Yeah. You did have them as a 35-win playoff team. I had them at, no, no, I had it as a playoff team first. Right. And, and then, then I said, said they're not going to make the playoffs because of the Jeremy Lin injury, and it's 35 yep. now. And you said 25. And, I mean, I'm still willing to meet you at 30. <laughs> I, I'm standing by 25. That's fine. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk in a month. That's fine. <laughs> um, all right. We, we also, last award race, executive of the year. I think this one's actually really interesting because... Heading in, you know, heading in the fall, especially after the Carmelo Anthony trade, I think we did our awards preview like a week or two after that, and we all just said, Sam Presti, it's over, no question. Now, Oladipo and Sabonis are playing well in Indiana. The Thunder are struggling to find some sort of offensive cohesion. More, do you think this award race is a little more open than it looked to be a month or two ago? It's more open. Yeah, it absolutely is. But here's the thing. Executives, they have to play with what they have, and they also have to play the market in terms of trade value and stuff like that, and he overcame that. So Mm. because of just the improbability in getting those two for the price that he did, he's still like the front runner to me. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Danny Ainge is going to win it if Boston keeps. And and I don't think he had a good summer. Well, no. I'll take that back right off the bat. He had a good summer. I just don't don't think he could have... I think he could have had a better summer. That's my point. I don't mm-hmm. think it was a good trade, you know, to, to trade down for the first pick. Because, again, Markel Foles, even though he's out right now on the shoulder and stuff like that, I don't think that happens in Boston. I think mm-hmm. that is because of the Philly medical staff and whatever has gone on in that wacky situation. Because yeah. we don't really know what happened giving up what he did for Kyrie Irving when there were better alternatives in play for cheaper uh, you, that you could have gotten cheaper and I, I, I don't support that 
by any means of the imagination, and he's going to win it if Boston is going to have one of the best records in the league. So, yeah, we should just mentally prepare for that one. Yeah, oh, I've already penciled him in now as the the favorite. Right. Like I, I, I think you're right in saying, you know, they, like, yes, Presti on paper got more in terms of value and like Ainge had to give up more, but you know, sometimes like they, they gave up a lot for Kyrie, but Kyrie's playing, as we said, at, you know, a, not only an all-star level, but like a dark horse MVP level losing Jay Crowder hurt, but making room for Tatum and Brown you know, that might have been part of his logic. He might have seen those guys behind the scenes and been like, oh shit, they're ready for more minutes. They're, they can play a bigger role. Like, Jay is a really important member of this team, but we don't know what's going on with Isaiah's hip. We think Brooklyn, we're with you, Mort. We think Brooklyn's going to be better than the rest of the league does, and we don't think that pick is going to be a top two or three pick. Like, we're willing to give up these assets to get a Kyrie Irving who fits with our team and fits with our age group and fits with our development curve and can like help us win both now and later. So yeah, I mean, but is Kyrie Irving playing like a dark horse MVP or is that just the narrative because they're winning and he's, you know, the best player and there is no LeBron James there. He's playing really well. I don't want to detract from him. Oh, he's definitely playing well. I'm not arguing otherwise, but Dark Horse MVP. I, I think that's the narrative that plays into all of this. I don't yeah. think that's necessarily a reality. An all-star, sure. As a hell of a player, absolutely. But Dark Horse MVP, that's where that's probably where you lose me. That's where you take it one step too far. Like That's just because <laughs> we, go, we get caught up in all the hype. I will say this. Right. His, his rapport with Al Horford... Is off the charts. Those dribble yeah. hands off, hands off, and and the fact when they play pick and roll and pick and pop, like I saw the Orlando game recently, like the Magic defense were just like, we don't know what to do. Right. So that was pretty interesting. Um, yeah. But I just I get that, and I also I would give Danny H all the credit in the world if the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum logic is actually accurate. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, absolutely. But I still think it's the general manager's job to go out and get, you know, specific players. And if you just, if you acquire more talent, significantly more talent than you give out, then you've done your job. Then the rest is up to the coach and the roster. Mm -hmm. So I just, I'm not going to fault Sam Presti for getting those two guys. Yeah. Oh, no. No, no, no. I mean, (laughs) right. It it very well could be Sam Presti did his job and Billy Donovan is not doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, anywhere, where do you stand on the executive of the year race? Do you think Ainge is now the front runner? Are you still with Presti, or is there a third guy who's catching your eye? Oh, this one's always hard to judge because, like we often say, it's like a year behind anyway. Right. Um, and then we're so early into this season. But I, I would still have Presti probably as the front runner. Um, as you guys were talking about, I think, you know, he did his job by getting those guys. And I don't think, you know, just because they're not getting the results they want immediately, that that's necessarily even really surprising or, or a bad sign. Um, still a long season. I think he did the right thing by bringing those guys over. Uh, they, they'll just have to, you know, work on 
finding and developing chemistry and figuring out how, how they want to play together, um, that's all fine. I, I'm not surprised or even disturbed by that at all. Um, so yeah, he's still, and then like I said, locking up, uh, extending Westbrook and mm. and apparently demonstrating to Westbrook that you know, we're going to do whatever it takes to, to be competitive, I think that's huge. Yeah, that, right. I mean, being able to retain him and not have that question hanging over their heads like it was, you know, with KD, like it, that could have been devastating for that team. So, yeah, that, that's a fair point. I mean, also, like, the Patrick Patterson and Ray Felton signings were both great. Like, we can't take away from either of those. I mean, Presti did work. I don't want to take away from what Presti's done, but Mort, I think you're right that the narrative is going to start swinging in Ainge's favor if yep. results continue holding to form and the Thunder struggle for the next couple weeks or couple months and Boston continues winning every game for, from now until infinity. So <laughs> we'll see. The, the, the point of this whole exercise was just kind of to you know look back at what our preseason expectations were and how quickly things change in the NBA like you know we could do this again in a month and I guarantee you save for hopefully rookie of the year that most of these are going to be different um that's part of the fun of the NBA and part of the fun of the regular season and you know why even if you're dreading a fourth edition of Warriors Cavs in the finals which as we know now may not happen um, you know, there's a lot to follow between now and then. So it's a, a way to give recognition to a bunch of players who've gotten off to good starts and a bunch of teams and coaches and front offices for the good work they put in over the summer. A lot of it has been paying off so far. In a month, will Lonzo Ball still shoot 29%? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I sure hope so. Um, all right, let's do our crush of the week which is where we shine a light on a player who deserves more credit than he's getting. And Sarah, since this is going to be your last one for a while, I'm going to let you go first here. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I really wanted to, to throw some, some love the direction of the Denver Nuggets point guards, because I think they have you know, kind of had a little rough start to the year. Moutier, obviously, you know, has had a rough start to his career, but both those guys have turned it on of late, and it's helping the Nuggets to get back on track here um, I also feel like I have to throw throw some shine uh, the way of the big banger Aaron Baines <laughs> had a big night the other night in uh, in Al Horford's stead who is out with the concussion as you, as you mentioned uh, I think he went off for a career high in points um, he's, he's always been yep. a guy that like I said like his, his leading characteristic is he will bruise. <laughs> that's that's why they call him the banger. They frequently, when he was in San Antonio, did not let him set screens on or play against Tim Duncan in practice <laughs> because that's just asking for trouble. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that was his thing. But but he kind of gets overlooked in that he's not someone you can really leave uh, on the little short mid-range jumpers. I mean, he can make that shot, and he has a decent hook shot, too. So it's nice to see him being utilized and being successful in, in Boston. I like that. That's a, yeah. They, all of those. I was going to take Moutier and the Nuggets point cards if you didn't, so I'm glad glad they got the attention they deserve. Uh, Mort, who is your crush of the past couple days? Um, actually, I'm going to go with all the season so far, and that's Otto Porter, because we haven't 
talked a whole lot about him. This guy has been as consistent as you can even ask for. His season low is 10 points, so he's broken mm-hmm. double figures all season long, averaging 17.9 points a game, 7 rebounds, shooting 51% from downtown, once again displaying <laughs> that his jump shooting ability was highly slept on coming into both the draft and after a couple of seasons of being somewhat ineffective. This guy got a huge contract and instead of just deciding to say you know what i'm set he started building upon it he started saying you know what now i gotta earn it and i love that type of player i think that's the type of guy who is going to get better for at least a couple years more and Mm -hmm. become like that legitimate third guy that we've talked about in washington like last season we we talked about Otto being like sort of like you know, half a guy as as part of the big three. If he continues mm-hmm. what he's doing right now, he's undoubtedly like that final guy to build a big three in Washington. I love his game. Yeah, I, I, you know, he's a Georgetown guy. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah, say I anything know. bad about him. Before. Yeah, he's he's been playing out of his mind, and um, I mean, you know, it, when he signed that max contract this summer, I think everyone knew it was coming but that is an understandably steep price it probably made some non-wizards fans be like oh that's that's a lot of money for Otto porter he's proving to be worth it so far so good good shout out mort yeah let me just add a little stat to this yeah he has a true shooting percentage of 67.3 and I, I'm not sure if the uh, shooting chart was updated after uh, last night's win against the Lakers. But if not, then going into the Lakers game, 85 out of his 110 shot attempts were jump shots. Man. So this guy having that sort of efficiency, primarily based on being a jump shooter, and he shot 54% of jump shots. That's, That's ridiculous. That's yeah. Stephen Curry-esque. I mean, yeah, he was not that type of a shooter when he was at Georgetown. Like, no, not at all. He had he had a good mid range game. Like he single handedly picked apart uh, Syracuse's zone in one particularly mm-hmm. memorable game. But no, that I mean, I don't. <laughs> you said people slept on it. Like it just wasn't there. Like there was no way of knowing that he had this kind of ability. No, well, he started improving. He shot 42% from three in his final season at Georgetown, so it was coming, yeah. but nobody was yeah. like, oh, he's a knockdown shooter. Right. Right, and and yeah, he's just... Oh, maybe he's even in the MIP conversation, honestly. And, and not yeah. for this year specifically, but if you just look at his first three years and compare it to the last year and this, right. like, it's just night yeah. and day. Yeah, my, my brother-in-law is a Wizards fan, and he... Crapped all over Otto the first year or two, and now I, you know, as a Georgetown guy, I was fiercely loyal, and I was like, "Just wait, just wait. He's gonna be good. He's gonna be good." So now it's mm. a a fun "I told you so" moment every time we talk about Otto. But yeah. Oh, he's... also, he has eight turnovers on the season. Oh, that's all. That's eight turnovers in 339 minutes. Man, that's wild. I mean, it's like part of that's just the John Wall effect, right? He's turned into like the souped up version of Trevor Ariza from a few years ago. Oh, that's not bad. I was thinking Sean Marion type, but that's not bad. Hmm. Yeah. 
And it's just like Wall is so good at finding those corner three point shooters, and Otto has turned into a guy who can knock those down consistently. So deserve it. Shout out to Otto. Um, I, I'm gonna. I'm saving one for next week, so I'm gonna give this week. I'm gonna shout out a guy that we made. We didn't make fun of him. We actually praised him for getting the money that a team foolishly offered him. But when the New York Knicks signed Tim Hardaway Jr. to a four-year, $71 million contract this summer, all of us were aghast. Uh, he started off pretty slowly in his first four games with the Knicks. He averaged, let's see, uh, only like fewer than 10 points a game, shot 26.5% from the field. So there was a lot of you know, natural <laughs> crowing about how bad of an idea that was. Over his past seven, however, nearly 22 points a game on 47% shooting, five rebounds, three threes, three assists, almost two steals a night. Hardaway Jr.'s balling, you guys. It, this, They still probably overpaid him. You didn't need to spend that much to get him out of Atlanta. Atlanta was not going to match that contract if it was four years, $60 million. But, you know, he's looking like a, a decent enough sidekick to have around KP for the next couple of years. So, yeah, not the out. second guy, but like a sidekick. Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. You ideally want someone else. But I saw, I think it was Nate Jones on Twitter was like, why doesn't, like, Paul George should go to New York next year, play next to Kristaps. I don't know if they can make it work financially. I saw this late at night and I was about to go check, but then I was like, it's 2 a.m. I need to go to sleep. Why am I still up? Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe if they rescind Ennis Cantor's, their hold on him, or if they, they maybe they could, like, stretch Joakim Noah's contract. If they could find mm-hmm. a way to make it work, it'd be very interesting. Because, yeah, I mean, Harwood, I think you're right, Ward. He, you don't ideally want him as your number two guy, but, like, the number three guy, he'd be pretty damn interesting. And that next team, that, that next team could be a lot less of a punchline than they've been over the last couple of years. And, Brian, while you were talking, I decided to actually look up Otto Porter's uh, corner three-point shooting statistics. Uh-huh. 70%. <laughs> there you go. The John Wall effect, everyone. Um, Sarah, any final words for us before we say goodbye? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I've just really enjoyed being on the podcast. Back to... When uh, you guys first t- uh, approached me about it, I, it was not something I was looking to do. Uh, probably no secret, talking is not my favorite. <laughs> so I half, uh, half agreed to come on just because I felt like it would be a good opportunity to get outside of my comfort zone and hopefully improve my voice. And it's just been more than I ever could have anticipated. I've learned a lot from, from both of you guys. I've expanded my knowledge about the NBA as a whole, not just, you know, the Spurs or the Southwest Division or the Western Conference. You know, I've definitely opened my eyes to so much more about the league and, and basketball in general. So just thank you guys for the opportunity. And like I said, I'll, I'll be around. Uh, I'll still plug you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We, we would expect nothing less. It's been, I think I can speak for more when I say it's been an absolute delight having you mm. on with us this past year and a half two years almost i feel like year and a half probably yeah year so, and a half uh, about yeah, yeah. At least. yeah man 
Time flies, but yeah. April, April I mean, 2016. There you go. So yeah, we, we've learned a lot from you two. I can say that much. Oh confidently, yeah. We... <laughs> much more than we have, you know, given right. that away. So yeah. You, you dance around us in terms of X's and O's. So everyone, please follow Sarah on Twitter. She is at wildhorses65 for the time being, at least. Um, I mean, just a, a great follow. It's an absolute crime. She does not have more followers. So please give her a follow at wildhorses65. And we'll keep her handle in our Twitter bio as well. Uh, until next time, you can find us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all of our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow, please. You can also find us on iTunes, so please check us out there. Subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one, you two. You too, you too Brian. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.